Well, praise God. Let's see here. Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. I'm going to go to, I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians 10 is where we're going to start. Um, I got a, a little bit of a mandate for the upcoming weeks here, but I'm not sure how long this is going to last, but I, I just kind of, you know, you get the leading and you just kind of roll with it. And then from week to week, you, you know, just do what he says. And it seems to work the best when you kind of follow him, right? Come on now. And uh, it says, and all these things happen to them. And of course, uh, people in context, it's talking about those in the Old Covenant. It's uh, talking about uh, uh, the children of Israel, actually, in context. But the idea is that he's talking about our patriarchs of faith, you know, um, you know our cloud of witnesses, our uh, you know, the children out, the children of Israel, all that included in the Old Covenant. He said all these things happened to them as examples. Everybody say examples. Amen. Some places say even types and shadows, things to come. And it goes on to say, and they were written for our admonition or our teaching, instruction, amen, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That's you and me. But the idea is that, you know, things have been recorded um, for you and me concerning the Old Covenant, all that happened. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? How many know there's some, some great things that happened? There's some good things that happened, and how many know there's a few bad things that happened? Amen. And so not everything that happened in the Old Covenant was, uh, you know, was a, a big praise God, but uh, everything that happened, though, was, you know, for our, you know, was written down and recorded for our teaching. And uh, so what I uh, kind of felt, this is a verse that just jumped at me, and and the reason being is I kind of felt in my heart that I'm going to talk about some, some of our Old Testament examples over the next several weeks, whatever, however long it, that goes. Uh, today I'm going to talk about a man named David. Amen. And uh, so uh, give me uh, the book of Acts, uh, chapter 13, please. And uh, just real quick here. Verse 22 just says, And when he had removed him, uh, talking about Saul, King Saul was removed, he raised up then for them David as king. Uh, to whom also he gave testimony, gave witness, and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, that was his father, right? So the son of Jesse, a man, talking about David here, a man after my own heart, right? Who will do all my will. Okay, so, so now he gave testimony. So, where, so uh, you know, what's he talking about here? A man after my own heart who will do, uh, do all my will. Okay, so let's, let's maybe look at the... The testimony of it, the, where it's in 1 Samuel, verse uh, chapter 13. So, verse 14. This is when, uh, you know, basically that whole situation was happening. Saul's being uh, basically the king, losing the kingdom, and now um, David is now being anointed to do what he's called to do. It says, "Now your kingdom shall not continue." Again, talking about Saul, King Saul. Well, wh why did he lose his kingdom? Because he didn't do what the Lord asked. That's really what it just come down to. The Lord asked him to do something. He didn't follow through with it and tried to make an excuse, even tried to pass the blame on to, uh, to others. And I mean, no, that don't get you very far with God. So he said, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. Okay, that's pretty good testimony, right? To, have, to be a person, I mean, that'd be something to be, right? If, you, if it goes down to history that, that you're a, a man or a woman, right, after God's own heart. That's what, you know, somebody says that's, you know, that'd be something that, you know, they, they say about you one day. Amen. That, that, that's an individual that, had a, that was after God's own heart. Amen. The Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people 
you know, so captain over his people uh, because you have not kept uh, what the Lord had commanded you. All right. So he says, you know, Saul lost his kingdom because he didn't follow God. But obviously, David was one to follow God. And as a result of it, he was a man after God's own heart who would do, as it said in the book of Acts, all the will of God. Amen. So that's pretty good testimony. How many know that to be good or true? Right? So that's a good thing. So uh, let's talk a little bit about David. Um, we'll probably, um, I, you know, I don't, I, I'm sure we're not going to get through it all today, but, but there's a piece of it I want to get through today. So we're going to go to, uh, we're staying in 1 Samuel. Let's go to chapter 17. Uh, let's see, Kathy, what do we want to do here today? Um, I was debating on rather skipping through part of this, but what, how about if we do, let's just go to verse 1, Kathy. Let's just do that. And we'll just kind of scream through it best we can for at least part of this and just kind of lay out the story of what's going on here because there's some things that we're going to learn from, uh, from you know, just the life of David. Now, there's no way that we're going to glean everything out of this, you know, text, but we'll, there's about a half a dozen things that I think would be worthy of looking at because I think, you know, if, if, if they're an example, if these patriarchs of faith, these, uh, you know, these, this cloud of witnesses, these these men and women of God who've done great things, you know, in the Old Covenant as an example to us, uh, we, we ought to, you know, then glean it, learn it, live it, right? So let's look at the story here. Most of us know the, the story of David and Goliath. Now, I'm learning uh, nowadays it isn't quite as known as it used to be. Nowadays, it's like amazing how many people don't have a clue, you know, and uh, so I think it's worthy of us to go ahead and read it. So verse 1, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sukkoth, uh, which belongs to Judah. Uh, they encamped between Sukkoth and uh, Ezekiah. Okay, I'm not going to pronounce that right, but it's Ephes Damon, which means boundary of blood is what that word there means. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, okay, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, which really just means uh, oak or a strong place or a hard place, okay. Uh, Eli, what that means. And he said, and they drew up in battle array against the Philistines. So they have basically what we got is two, two rows, okay, uh, facing each other in battle array. That's what it means. All right. So the Philistines stood on, on, uh, on a mountain uh, on one side, and the Isra Israelis then stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. All right. And a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, okay, which just means exile, um, so that's, that's what it means. And, and from Gath, all right, so that was where he was from, uh, whose height was six cubits in a span, which measured out to nine foot nine. That's how tall he was. And he had a bronze helmet on his head and was armed with a coat of mail. It just means, you know, the, uh, basically the protective uh, uh, coat over him, okay? And, it was, uh, and the weight of that coat was uh, 5,000 shekels of bronze, which just that, that coat of mail... Uh, weighed uh, 150 to 180 pounds, just that one coat. So take a big old boy to even hold that up. So anyway, and he had a bronze, he had a bronze armor on, on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, so it's pretty good size, okay? And the iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, which is about just, just over 15 pounds, just the head on it. Okay, so that's pretty pretty good size here. And it said, and a shield bearer went before him. In other words, so he had an individual that, that was an armor bearer that took care of it, held on to a shield for him, 
and then when, once he got into battle array, you know, handed him a shield or whatever weapon that he needed. Okay, and so verse, uh, let's see here, verse, where are we? Verse 8. And he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel. So this one Goliath, this giant, nine foot nine Goliath, stood out, you know, stepped out from his, you know, their battle array. He stepped out beyond the rest of them, okay, and begins to lip off, okay, do a little bit of uh, trash talking, okay. And so he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? So he's just mocking them. Uh, Am I not a Philistine? Okay, and you are the servants of Saul. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. And and quite frankly, I don't understand. They should have just all went up there and just took him out anyway. So what he did is he intimidated them and says, send me a man. You know, well, quite frankly, they said, we'll send three of them. Take you out. Shut you up. And there's no more you. We'll take over from there. Never mind. Anyway. But they didn't do that. They got intimidated by this guy. And so, uh, and it says, if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be servants, which is a lie, because they wouldn't do it. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all, the, is, Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Mistake. But anyway. Now, David was the son of uh, the Ephrathite, uh, Ephrathite, okay, whatever. Okay. I should have just skipped all this. But anyway, anyway, so he's from Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, okay, talking about his dad here, who's, who had eight sons, okay, and the man was old, advanced in years in the days, uh, in the days of Saul. His three oldest sons, okay, of J- Jesse's oldest sons, had gone uh, to follow Saul, so they're right now in battle array there, so th- his three oldest, okay, uh, the names of those uh, were Eliab, okay, which was the firstborn, uh, Abinadab, and then the third Shammah, okay. And David was the youngest of the seven, okay. And the three oldest, of course, was Saul. So you got just kind of get the picture there. So, but David occasionally went and returned from, uh, from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So obviously he snuck out and went to check out, the, you know, what was going on. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself. Here we go. This happened 40 days, morning and evening. So in the morning and the night. So 80 times this guy did this. Okay, you think somebody just got tired of him talking. Anyway, all right. Then Jesse said to, uh, to his son David, okay, uh, take now for your brothers an ephod of, of, of this dried grain and the 10 loaves, okay, and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses. So he's basically the grocery boy right now. To, uh, to the captain of their thousands and see uh, how your brothers are faring out here. Obviously, they're faring out okay because there is no battle going on. And bring back news of them, right? Now, Saul uh, and they uh, and all the men of Israel were in the valley, okay, Eli, and it said fighting with the Philistines. I mean, no, that's not a- totally accurate because nobody's fighting. Anyway, but, uh, they, you know, they're like, ah, you know, anyway. So David rose early in the morning, did what his dad wanted, right? Left the sheep with the keeper because he was t- t- tending to the sheep. And he took the things that his dad had sent with him, right? And, uh, and he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. So that's every morning, you know, they'd all get up and try to intimidate each other. And then this big old galoot would stand out and, and they all go, you know, they kind of freak out. Right? You think they just said, forget it, just a bunch of people just jump him, you know, but anyway, anyway, so then, uh, 
So he, uh, he gets there. Um, uh, where am I at? 21 now. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array again, army against army. And they did 40 days, you know, day, normie, morning and evening, right? And David left the supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Hey, what's up, man? And then as he talked with them, there, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up and from the armies of the Philistine and spoke according to the same words. Except this time David heard it, okay? And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So you can imagine, so now David, you know, comes out, this is, he's all excited, he's going to get to see something, right? And then all of a sudden, this big old galoot steps out and says something, and everybody runs back to their tent. Now, I don't know, maybe David was standing there all by himself now, looking, everybody ran away. I mean, I don't know, you know, whatever happened, but, you know, obviously, it, he thought this is a little weird. All right, so, uh, uh, so they all fled. So, so uh, verse 25, so the men of Israel said, have you seen this man? Who has come up, surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches. This is, this is what the king promised. Whoever will take him out, right? You'll, you'll get enriched with great riches. You will get his daughter, okay, for, for a bride. And your father's house will be exempt from taxes. All those sound pretty good, all right? Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away? Here we go. Now, this man's finally starting. This is the only person talking covenant. He's got covenant talk, man. Now, you know, who's going to take away the reproach from Israel? Who is this? Here we go. Uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, he's, no, he's not of the covenants of God. Okay? This uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies, here we go, of the living God. Everybody say the living God. All your patriarchs of faith that, that did great things all referred to God as a living God. Even in the New Covenant, you know, Saul, Peter, John, they referred to him as the living God, right? Because they had a personal, intimate relationship with him. That's key. Anyway, so anyway, you know, so the people began to answer and tell him the same thing. So it shall, it shall be done for the man. So he's thinking, you know, about all this, you know. My goodness, man, this is pretty good stuff. I mean, you're going to get enriched. It's going to, you know, you're going to, all your days, you're going to be taken care of. And, and we know, according to Scripture, that, uh, that, that David had uh, also had already done, you know, gone into the uh, king's house and played for the king, uh, probably kind of behind the scenes played for him. But every time he played for him, that distressing spirit would leave Saul when, when David would play. So David had been around the house. Now, whether or not him and King Saul had any connection or not we don't know he could have been behind a curtain playing I don't we don't know what the deal is but we do know this David saw the daughter so he's thinking okay I get enriched I get the girl and dad's gonna get blessed too because there'll be no taxes amen so he's thinking you know he's not seeing a problem he's seeing a prize here you know what I mean so anyway, so you can think, well, he's starting to, you know, he's got this, all the stirring in his head here. And so they explained to him what it was again. So now Eliab, his oldest brother, of course, you know, kind of tired of his boy, this, you know, the young brother. Come on, siblings, right? Like, shut up. Get out of it. Why don't you just go home? Right? I mean, it's like normal siblings, right? Okay, so Eliab, his oldest brother, heard uh, when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David and said, why do you, why did you even come down here? 
And with whom, now he's belittling him, right? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and insolence of, of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And that's when David should have said, what battle? <laughs> but David said, what have I done now? That just sound, doesn't it sound like two brothers. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it was like, he's like, what? He's like, hey, shut up. And he's like, well, man, oh, knock it off. What have I done now? I, you know. But look at this. This is what David said. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And then he turned from him uh, toward another and said the same thing, making sure he's getting all the facts right, right? And they, and they answered him the same way as the first ones did. Now, the first thing I want to bring out is, uh, you know, a cause, okay, an occasion. He said, is there not an occasion? Is there not a motive, a purpose, a reason, an objective here? Come on, right? He's just, what he's seeing is, that, listen, I can't understand this. You, we're all come up here to battle array, and then you all turn around high when some guy comes out and runs his mouth. And he said, that alone ought to make you all mad. Right? He's defying y'all. He's, he's belittling you. He's defied not only the army, he's defied our God. He's an uncircumcised, outside the covenants of God, you know, big mouth, running his mouth, trash talking, and you're letting him get away with it. Is there not a cause? And besides that, who wouldn't want what he's offering? Is there not a cause? Is there not an objective here? Is there not a reason? Right? Sometimes just that alone ought to move you forward when you start seeing a need. It's like there's such a need. Let's, let's do what it takes. Okay, I thought we had moved some of you. But. So what is it? Well, David, here we go. David possessed a, a horizon, horizon, no, come on, horizon perspective and a frontier spirit. In other words, David was able to see the big picture. He knew what was going on, but at the same time understood the challenge at hand. He saw it. He wasn't, he wasn't ignorant of the challenge. But yet he was looking at the bigger picture saying, you're letting this guy do what he's doing? And you've been doing this for 40 days? Actually, he did this 80 times. Right? So David was able to, you know, in a sense, see the big picture and yet understood the task at hand. And I think about, you know, anybody that's moving forward in God, you know, this is an example to you and me. Even... even um, even uh, Paul in the New Covenant, you know, had an awareness of that. I think that was even a verse I might have used Sunday, but 1 Corinthians 16 and 9, you know, brings out that, you know, there, there's opportunities in front of you all the time, but there's going to be opposition. There's always going to be some, some form of opposition. So you, you got to be able to see the bigger picture of what's going on. Come on. And at the same time, you know, be aware of the fact that you got a part to play in this. Right? See, a lot of people have a, a picture. You may, might see the whole picture, but don't want to don't want to do anything. Or there might be people willing to roll up their sleeves and do things, but not see the whole picture. So I think David kind of, you know, he understood what was going on. You know, even in the short time he was there, he got a, he he figured it out. And I think he, you know, not only figured out what was going on, but was willing to do something about it. Now, at the time, most most of your scholars think he was roughly around. 17 years old, around that, you know, uh, he was a redhead, freckled, uh, uh, word said he was good looking, so I guess that's good, you know, and we can go kind of through and find out, you know, all the things said about him, but, uh, 
Um, the one I always, you know, uh, the Shinnemans have a, their, their oldest, their son, uh, he's, he's ruddy and good looking. He's redheaded and freckled. If I had Dylan here, we could have Dylan stand up here. Of course, he's, he's, he's older now. But when he was 17 years old, you could say that right there is what, what David looked like at age 17. You know? And you know, you're thinking about, okay, there ain't nothing about that boy right there. It looks like he's ready for a big time battle, especially against a nine foot nine. Come on. But he didn't get moved by it. Come on. He didn't get moved by it. And, uh, you know, so anyway, uh, you know, Romans 8 and 37, another thing I think about when I think about uh, Paul in the New Covenant, he, sa he says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And the reason I think it's worthy of, of reading that is because what Paul is saying is, listen, you know, even though I, we got pressure, even though we got obstacles, we're not, a, we're not unaware of the fact that we got things we got to deal with. I'll try this side. We're not, aware, we're not unaware that we have to deal with things. We got things to deal with. We got family situations. We might have, uh, you know, marriage, kid things. We might have financial things. We might have health things going on. We, we're, not a, we're not unaware that there's challenges and pressures. But we are more than conquerors. I mean, we got a bigger picture here. Hey, we got a God that's on our side, a God that won't leave us nor forsake us. Amen. But greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. The bigger picture, man. I mean, why are we backing up? We move forward. Hey, ho. Take him out. Is anybody hearing me today? All right. Praise the Lord. So David, I think, had a, you know, he understood. He, he, got, he got an understanding of it real quick like. Let's go to verse 31. It says, now in, the, in chapter 17 here. Now when the words, I'm in 1 Samuel 17 again. When the, now when the words which David spoke uh, were heard, so in other words, he wasn't quiet about it. They reported them to Saul. Obviously, he made enough of a, you know, I don't know how many people they had in battle array, but I bet you that there probably was thousands of men out there. And uh, David made enough of a scene about it. I mean, you just stop and think about that, that it got word back to the, I mean, you'd think that if, you know, if it was just, somebody just slapped him upside the head and said, shut up, get out of here. And he, oh, with his tail between his legs, he would have ran off maybe, or they would have thought. But he made a big enough scene that it, the word got back to King Saul. Well, anyway, so, and so Saul hears about it, right? Then day, uh, so it said that uh, he, he sent for David. Then David said to Saul, let, I love this, let no man's heart fail because of the, you know, this giant. For your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. <laughs> King, don't you worry about a thing. We got her figured out. We'll handle it. Now, you know. Saul's looking at, remember, 17-year-old, redhead, freckled, no armor, but a lot of gusto. Don't you worry, king. We got her handled. We'll take care of this. Well, what is that? Well, I believe with all my heart that David maintained an optimistic attitude. Whew. Boy, we could use that here and there. 
Come on, right? I mean, a lot of times, you know, you stop and you think about it with the whole thing that was going on. Okay, the reason that every time he went up forward and everybody would hightail it and run is because when they went back to their tents, that's all they talked about. But how big, you see how big he was? Good night if that guy got his hand around your neck and he crushed your skull. He'd pop your head off like, I mean, I'm telling you, did you see the size of that spear? I mean, even his armor bearer was bigger than me. Right. <laughs> I, mean, you know, I mean, you can imagine all the talk, right? So what happens? Everybody starts to lose that defeat mentality. And so for 40 days that went on, this, this, this giant, just all he did was intimidate. Well, David shows up and says, somebody needs to shut him up, right? See, they've been putting up with it for 40 days. And I'll say, you know, come on now. You know as well as I do, when you, especially when you're in, in that mode. Life just stinks. And then the pastor says, everything's going to be great. Oh, shut him up. God, every time you get around, everything's going to be okay. Praise the Lord. Believe God. Oh, my God. Right? Come on now. That's what they all went back to their tents. And then here's this David now. I mean, obviously, it was enough to get everybody like, Eliab, your brother is running his mouth out here. He won't shut up. And Eliab's all embarrassed, you know. Oh, my, oh, my little brother, I want to wring his neck. You're just embarrassed. Come on. So enough of it said, all of a sudden it gets back to the king. And of course, David, in the presence of the king, he didn't, you know, didn't back, didn't back up one bit. Don't you worry, king. We got her figured out. We got her hand. We'll take care of this problem. Pretty optimistic. What do you think? Listen, is there, you know, is there anything positive about being negative? No matter what you got going on, there ain't nothing, nothing worthy of just being negative. Come on, somebody. Somebody said, well, you just don't understand what I got. Listen, we ain't making light of anybody's situation. We're not making light of anybody's battle or whatever it is you're going through, what you're facing. Nobody's making light of that. But you being negative ain't helping nothing. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Come on now. You might as well be optimistic, right? I mean, you got the word of God, right? You got the armor of God. Come on, right? You got the spirit of God, right? You got a leading of God, hopefully, right? The grace of God, the empowerment, right? Come on. We can go on and on and on, right? The Spirit of God moving on your behalf. We got, man, greater as he is in you. Then Come on, right? I mean, if any, we should, you know, even though we don't have a clue what may happen tomorrow, we do this. God's in control. God can do this. God can turn this. God can fix this. God can make this thing right. Come on, somebody. God will show up. Praise God. Hallelujah. God's a miracle-working God. Hallelujah. Well, we ought to be optimistic, right? Hallelujah. Optimistic. I can do all things through Christ. And in fact, if you, you know, in Philippians 4, you read that, you know, he's talking about, you know, whether you got it or you don't have any, whether you're, you have enough or don't have enough, it doesn't matter. I can do all things through Christ. I've been strengthened in him. It's through Christ. 
through the anointed one. Doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter what it looks like. I can do all things. See, that's optimistic. Come on, somebody, right? Amen. All right. Let's go, uh, go back to 1 Samuel. Let's look at, uh, so what Saul had to say about it. So Saul, of course, you know, thinking that's, that's nice, kid, but really, right? So he said, uh, you know, you're, David, listen, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him. I mean, you're just a youth. You're just a kid. And you see that guy over there? You see that guy that came out? Okay. Now he's, he's been a man of war since he's been your size. At least your age. This boy's been fighting for a lot of years. And you think you're going to take him out? Because what's Saul thinking? Saul thinking hand-to-hand combat. Come on. Well, David, he ain't thinking necessarily hand-to-hand combat, right? But he's thinking, you know, how are you going to take this guy out? I mean, you don't even get close enough to hurt him. In fact, you don't even have, you don't even have a sword. Hmm. So... David said, hey, your servant used to keep, I love this, used to keep his father's sheep. I don't know about you, but that's faith talking right there. After today, I ain't going to have to do that no more. (laughs) Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, man, I tell you what, I went out after it, struck it down, delivered the lamb from its mouth, and when it tried to arose against me, I, man, I cook it by the beard, struck it, and killed it. That chump ain't taking nothing of mine. Well, king's like, woo, feisty little feller, right? Come on now. Yeah. Of course, he didn't stop there, did he? Huh, right? He goes on and said, uh, your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. And he repeats himself, right? He's a man outside the covenants of God. I'm in the covenant of God. He ain't going to be no harm on some lion or some bear. He ain't got God on his side. I got God on my side. Woo! Moreover, (laughs) David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he would deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, Whoa, man, you pumped me up, son. Go and the Lord will be with you. Amen. Well, he figured it out. Why? Because you know, Saul, King Saul wasn't necessarily ignorant to the anointing. Come on, he'd been under that before and knew what that meant. He's seeing this all over David right now. And I'm sure there's more to it than that, but but uh, here's what I put concern in this. Okay, now granted, we, there's a lot more we could say about it, but I believe that David turned was willing to turn any obstacle into an opportunity, whether it was the lion, the bear, the Philistine, didn't matter. It might have looked like an obstacle, but he was willing to turn it into an opportunity. Come on, do I hear a big amen? amen. Hallelujah. You know, um, let's see. I put it. Let's go ahead and put that verse up there. Acts 14. 22. It's a verse we used not too long ago here, but, but uh, this is, um, of course, uh, talking. Uh, it's all about strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting, exhorting them to continue in the faith. But he said this, seeing or saying, we must through many tribulations, all it means is pressure, we must through pressure enter the kingdom of God. 
Now, the word kingdom there doesn't mean heaven. It, the word kingdom means rule, reign, or realm, okay? But it says, through pressure, you enter. We say enter. So he's talking about that literally refers to a doorway, okay? So through pressure, you know, you enter in to, you know, more of God. You just, you can't quit. You don't give up. You go through it. Now, the reason that's worthy of mentioning is because David didn't see the obstacle as a wall or a barrier. He saw it as a doorway, a doorway of opportunity. I mean, if you look at all the patriarchs of faith that went and did great things, not just talking old covenant, we're talking about even new covenant, and a lot of them were defined by their pressing through their pressure. That's why most of the time when you think of Daniel, the first thing ever is, and the lion's den. Well, Daniel did more than the lion's den, but everybody remembers the lion's den. Right? Right? David and Goliath. But David did a whole lot more than Goliath, but everybody remembers Goliath, right? Come on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fiery furnace. They did more than that, but everybody remembers, amen, the pressure moment that they press through and they go down in history, come on, as patriarchs of faith because they were willing to press through it. Are you still with me? So David was willing to press through this thing. He wasn't, wasn't going to let something knock him back. Amen. And I believe the king saw that on him. Are you still with me? All right, so let's go to verse uh, 38 of 1 Samuel 17. So Saul then decided, okay, okay, I'm going to send you out, but I can't just, you know, if I send you out of my tent, just say, go get him, boy. Uh, they're going to all, they're going to think I sent you to your death. All my boys, all my, you know, you know, all the rest of the men on, on our side here are going to think, I, you know, can't, Saul, I can't believe you did that, you know. Send some young kid out there, you know. So he said, we, maybe we'll do something. Maybe we'll get you all dressed up and make you look at least like you're ready for battle, huh? So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and uh, he also clothed him with a coat of mail. In other words, that whole thing in front, you know, covers him, you know. And David fastened his sword, uh, uh, fastened his sword to his armor, and he tried to walk. <laughs> now you got to remember, Saul. Scriptures bring out that Saul stood a head, uh, foot, uh, you know, head taller than the rest. So he's bigger than the rest. And then you got this little feller. Come on, that showed up, right? And this whole armor probably weighs as much as he does, probably more. So he's got this big old helmet on, coat of mail, got the sword hanging, it's dragging. Right? And he tried to walk. He tried to walk. Hmm. He tried to walk. Well, he said, for he had not tested him. And David said to Saul, I can't, I cannot walk. I, I can't walk with these things, right? For I've not tested him. So David took him off, right? So, you know, all of God or nothing, right? But I, I, I wanted to throw something in here. And I don't know. Okay, I'm just, I, it didn't say this. But I do know based on some of the other writings of David, we know that David was a, a praiser, was a worshiper. Um, he honored God. He was, the words, uh, in fact, Psalms 5 brings out, talked about, you know, it's a psalm of David about being joyful and ex express yourself and everything, okay? So, you know, it's just, you know, it's who David is. 
And so I, 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 take, I take a little liberty on this one, but um, it's something I mentioned on Sunday. I'm going to mention it again. Um, you know, when you read this story about David, to me it's funny. So I can only imagine, you know, what it looked like. And David's standing there, and everything's dragging. And, you know, he probably looks up at Saul, and the helmet probably comes down over his head. And Saul's probably even looking at him going, right? This ain't going to work, right? David said, I can't even hardly move in this stuff. So to me, I just think, you know, part of being optimistic is once in a while you got to be willing to laugh at things. Come on, somebody. And I, I, I put a little put a little emphasis on that again uh, on Sunday, but I, I just think Christians don't do enough laughing. Come on, somebody. There's just some things you just got to laugh once in a while. Some things are just funny. And sometimes you got to even laugh at yourself. Sometimes, you know, the spirit of stupid gets on you and you do something stupid. Now, I know we, we hate to admit we've been stupid, but every now and then we're stupid. It just somehow that spirit sneaks in somehow, gets in there. You know, I don't know how he gets in, but somehow he sneaks in the back door or something and the spirit of stupid gets on you and you do something stupid. Say something stupid. Act stupid. React stupid. Come on, somebody. Okay, maybe you don't do that, but I've done it. And to me, it's like you, you can get all upset or all embarrassed, or you can just laugh at yourself. Say, you know, that was really stupid. That was stupid. I mean, that was really stupid. I mean, that was probably the most stupid thing I ever did. Right? And you might as well just laugh. Learn to laugh. Amen? Everybody say, learn to laugh a little bit. Come on, somebody. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, sometimes you just got to have a sense of humor, right? Come on, Mary Hart does good like what? Medicine. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, let's go to verse, verse 40 here, all right? Verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand. They were saying his hand. Okay, now come on. Took his staff in his hand. So he's got his staff, his stick, right? And he, and, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. So he's got put five stones in his bag here. And he put them in the shepherd's bag in, in, in a pouch, which he had. So now we know, we know he has a staff. He's got a stick. He's got a, got a pouch, a bag on the side here, you know, holding some rocks. Okay, we know that. And it says, and his sling. Everybody say his sling. It was in his hand. So, and, so we know that he had a staff, he had a sling, and he had a little bag of rocks. That's what he's got. And then it said, he drew near to the Philistine. All right? So in other words, you know, he, he was walking in some confidence in who he was in Christ. Amen. Come on, or in God, I should say. Amen. Come on. Amen. He just, he was just, I got my own, this is what I'm familiar with, this is what I know. Amen. I don't need all that other stuff. Amen. Just, I, I just know we're going to take him out. Let's just go do it. But I probably need a few rocks. So he's, got a, he's already got a plan. Come on, he's already got a plan. Already got a plan. Okay. I don't even have to get very close to him. I'm pretty good with that sling. Amen. If I can just even just knock him back and knock him out for just a second, I can take him. I know I can. He doesn't even have a rock. He doesn't even have a buck knife. I mean, all he's got is a staff, a, a shepherd's stick. Come on, somebody. He's got a sling, and he's got some rocks. Right? So, amen, he's, amen, David, uh, you know, is confident in who he is, 
in God. Amen. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to be confident. You know, one of the things that we're going to focus on this year is finding out who you are. Amen. Learning to identify with your identity. And the whole idea of that, the more you find, figure out who you are, the more confident you become in who you are, in God. Right? Sometimes what people struggle with is, is you know, we, we see all the surface stuff that goes on. It could be insecurities. It could be, you know, fear, worry, all that kind of stuff and all these other things that go on. But most of the time it just comes down to one thing is you just don't know who you are yet. If you know who you are, you're not backing up. So this man knew who he was, or this young, young man, I should say, knew who he was, praise God. So verse 41, let's go on. Let's see what else we got here. Okay. So these are just some, just some things that we're finding out about David, about the life of David. Amen. And uh, anyway, verse 41. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. So in other words, the armor bearer. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, the word said he disdained him, right? Now, you know, my cross-reference says he belittled him, okay? Disesteemed, okay? To disdain, all right? To belittle, all right? For what? David was what? Only a youth. Here we go, ruddy. In other words, redhead freckles. Come on, and good-looking. Well, good-looking little feller. Look at that little fella. He's good-looking. Good-looking boy. Good-looking little redhead. All right, so he was good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog? Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? I mean, this must be a little skinny, little ruddy, good looking kid. Whatever. Am I a dog that you're just going to send me a stick? I mean, you ain't going to send me a man? Saul, why don't you come out? You're going to send me, you send me a boy? Come on, he's just, you know, being all. You know, obnoxious and come on, belittling. He said, am I a dog that you send me sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Oh, mercy. See, yeah. Keep it up, son. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And I just want to make you all know, you can put a little mark right there after verse 44 and say, last words. That was the last he said. Well, you know, up to this time, you know, David wasn't, you know, hadn't said nothing to him. But, but all of a sudden, David, um, you know, uh, you know what? You're going to run your mouth. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind right now. So David said to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword, with a spear, with your javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies whom you've defied. You've mocked God, you've mocked his people, and I'm going I'm to take you out. Listen, this day, come on, son, woo! This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you, and I will take your head from you. Remember, he doesn't have a knife. He's got a stick, a sling, and some rocks. All right. This day I will give, I love this, this boy, man, is on a roll. 
I will give the carcasses, plural, of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild. But you telling me, son, you're going to take me out? I'm going to take you and everybody behind you out. Why? Well, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. <laughs> this boy is inspired. I mean, you can write that down. This boy knows how to get inspired and stay inspired. Whether he's facing the giant or whether he's dancing in his underwear down the main street. This boy knows how to stay inspired. Come on, somebody. Because he knows who his source is. I said he knows who his source is. All the earth is going to know that there is a God in Israel. You bet. Now, how many know this boy, you know, got up that morning? You know, he's just a shepherd boy. You know, an errand boy. You know, come late in the morning, you know, or, or get mid-morning. He's got to take, so now he's not, he's not, he, he's shepherd boy. Now he's errand boy. But by the time the sun goes down that night, he's a giant slayer. He becomes a legend. Whew. Mercy. All because this boy knew who he was. Come on, somebody. And they knew who his God was. So the word says this, verse uh, 47. He's still not done talking. Then all this assembly, I love this. Then all this assembly shall know. What assembly? Everybody listen. So it ain't just talking about the Philistines now. He's talking about all those little boys that stand behind him, keep running back to their tent. Come on. Talking about his three sissy brothers. <laughs> He's going to get a word in. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. And so it was, verse 48, that when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, the word says that David hurried, come on, and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, years ago I saw they did some movie about David or some kind of thing and, you know, some low-budget film about David or something. I don't know. And I... Still this day, I don't know what the name of it was. Can't remember it all. I just remember, I remember the scene, and I had to shut it off. Because the scene was when David now is going to face Goliath. He's like he's hiding behind trees and shrubs. And All right, click. That's not even watching. Word said he ran at him. Threw a hand in the bag, stone, just like he, amen, heat-sinking missile, sunk right into that boy's forehead. Come on, dropped him like a bad habit. Come on, right? Mercy. You can imagine, now listen, David, after he drops him, everybody's stunned. Everybody's stunned. The armor bearer standing there going, huh? Everybody's stunned. David jumps on him, takes his sword, and takes his head off, stands up, ha! 
The armor bearer standing right there. It's going. Right, everybody standing. He did it. He done did it, right? And then the army runs from David. Right? They run. They're going, we're out of here. They take off. And finally, here come the boys. Ah! Now they're chasing. Yeah, right. Bunch of wieners. Huh? So David, amen, scriptures, you know, go on. David, uh, you know, packed the head, the armor, the sword, took it back to his tent. So I don't know where, you know, maybe somebody says, you can have mine. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe he took Saul's. I don't know. But all of a sudden now, he, this is my stuff. The head, he had the head. Big as a basketball. I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's how you make a movie. Yeah. Ah! Sword, armor, head. This is mine. Amen. And nobody was going to argue with him. From that day on, the boy become a legend. Come on, somebody. Amen? Amen. Now, I just, I'll close with this, okay? I'm actually going to get you out of here early. Isn't that amazing? Miracles do happen. <clears throat> put, uh, um, put Job 33, verse 4 up there. This is Elihu talking. This after he's been addressing Job and dealing with pity party he was having. And... Um, but Elihu is just a young man that puts not only Job but all the, his friends in a place here, tells them to stop, you know, boo-hooing and, and uh, rise above it. But he makes a comment, and actually makes a couple of them. I just grabbed one of the verses here. And I just said, he said, the Spirit of God has made me. Okay? Now, he's made you too. Right? He says, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The breath. In other words, God breathing, speaking in you. We know, according to the New Covenant, that one of the names for the Spirit of God is breath, the breath of God. Amen. Now, the point being is that from, from Genesis 2, it says that he breathed the breath of life into Adam, and Adam became then a living being. It means a speaking spirit. Okay? Now, God is wanting to breathe into you every day. Now, one of the keys that David that set David made David different than the rest. He was a man after God's own heart, the word says. Now, it wasn't, that didn't happen after he took out Goliath. It happened before he took out Goliath. Why was he a man after God's own heart? Well, part of that was the fact that the boy had an intimate relationship with God. That's how he was so motivated. That's why this stuff wouldn't knock him back. We're talking about a seven, you know, you know we could be wrong on the age, but most agree you know, 17-ish, you know, redhead, freckled, skinny little twig-looking kid. Come on. Good-looking, though. Wasn't moved. Wasn't moved by a giant. Wasn't moved by his brothers. 
wasn't moved by King Saul, wasn't moved by the intimidation. How? I mean, as a kid, just maybe he, I know, his, his brain isn't fully developed yet. That's what it was. You know, you get around 22, 23-ish before your brain's fully developed. That's probably what the problem was. He wasn't, didn't have a full developed brain yet. I mean, no, that's not the case. Now, he might not have had a full developed brain yet, but I don't know. But I do know this. It wasn't the lack of brain cells that caused that boy to be the way he was. That boy had an intimacy with God. Amen. He knew how to commune with God, to fellowship with God. And God would constantly, just like Elihu says here, just from the very get-go, from Genesis 2 on, we see it, amen, God wanting to breathe on a day-to-day basis, daily, into you and me. That's what He wants to do. And if we will let Him breathe into us, you will have the same kind of confidence, same kind of assurance in God, amen, you'll be more moved by your covenant, with God than you will by the lies of the enemy. Every time the enemy raises his ugly head, you'll chase him on out. Come on, somebody. You'll take his head. Come on, right? I'm just saying, how can a young man like that be the way he was? Because God was constantly breathing into him. And God wants to do the same for you and me. God wants to breathe into us every day. And if we... We go without time spent with him. Just just learning to take a few moments every day. Get still. Let God speak. Let God breathe into you. Let God uh, grace you and empower you, amen, to do your day. And you might be amazed at how many great things God can do through you and me if we'll let him. Amen? Is anybody hearing me today? Amen. That is one of the main reasons, not the only reason, of course, but one of the main reasons why he said he's a man after my own heart. Call him a man. A man after my own heart. Dad says, son, uh, why don't you take some loaves and munchies, cheese, go give your brothers and then come back and tell me what's going on. He gets there, he's probably thinking, I'm not going to go tell dad what's going on. I'm going to take care of this thing. <laughs> Can you imagine the word that finally got back to dad? That boy, I sent him on some errand. That boy, I tell you what, I, every time I send, I, I, you just never know when he's going to show up. Right? By the time he hears about it, they're singing songs about his son, David. Come on, somebody. The giant slayer. Kills his ten thousands. Come on. I mean, man, he's a legend. I'm just thinking, man. Amen. That's the way it should be. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you too. Come on now. Amen. So let's let God breathe in us every day. Amen. Did you get something today? Give the Lord a praise. Come on now. Why don't you all stand up? Praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God. David actually excites me. I get excited about his, uh, you know, all the things about his life. How many know David didn't do everything perfect? Yeah, sometimes he struggled with his own, you know. Sometimes his parenting skills needed a little help. Sometimes his eyes wandered. Come on. 
But when it came time to a passion for God, he was a great example of it. Somebody willing, amen, to take on the challenges ahead. He's a great example of it. Amen. And so my heart is that maybe in the next week, maybe, maybe I don't know, a couple weeks in here or something, talk a little bit more about some other things that David did and glean a little bit from that, and then we'll just see where God takes uh, our midweek services. Amen. But uh, I'm just b- believing that we're just going to, uh, glean off these examples, amen, of great patriarchs of faith, amen. Did, did you get something tonight? Yes. Praise the Lord. All right. Father, we give praise and glory once again. We're thankful for your word and for these principles today. Thankful for uh, the example of David and, and his passion for you and, uh, Lord, his willingness to just, amen, do what it took, amen, to get the job done. And, Father, we give praise for that. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful Lord, that this people here today had an ear to hear and a heart to receive it opening the eyes of our understanding, amen, causing us to rise up in who we are, confident in you, praise God, being all that we're called to be in you, amen, and getting the job done, praise the Lord, no matter what challenge is ahead. And Father, we give you the praise and the glory. Father, forgive us for the times maybe we tuck tail and run. But Lord God, I know that greater days ahead for all of us. And so Lord, we're thankful for that. We're grateful, praise God, amen, for what's ahead Hallelujah. And Lord God, it is going to be a glorious year for this people. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you, praising God.